You're listening to the Bingo Hall Boys, definitely within the top 100 best wrestling podcasts. Help us grow by subscribing and downloading each episode. Jake, joining me is my co-host Mitch. Oh man, it has been a week. June is a busy time to begin with, and there has been no shortage of drama. It's It's been a time, man, it's been a time, but off to BC for a week for Nationals, leaving on the 21st, so I get to hit up the nicest disc golf course in Canada when I'm out there. By sheer nice. luck, it's like a five-minute Uber ride from my hotel, and I have an entire day that's free. So the the kids are all 17 and 18, old enough to explore on their own, so they can fuck off, and I'm just going to go around and around and around and play the course like five times that day. That sounds awesome. Have you ever played it before? Is this the first time? This will be my first time. I have heard such awesome things about it. Everyone talks about it being like the course in Canada to play. So any one of our seven listeners that are making us the 73rd <laughs> or better best wrestling broadcast happen to be into disc golf, Raptors, Nolan, Langley, BC. That's the place to be. So it, I'm largely unfamiliar with disc golf. Like what makes a like a destination course is it just like the quality of the place is it like the difficulty of it like what's the what's the driving factor to be one of the best i i think the trifecta you're looking for is quality in terms of having good baskets and creative holes where it doesn't feel like you're playing the same thing not dissimilar to a a golf course where you'd want good greens and variety you're looking for a good very variation in difficulty you know a lot of the really good ones will have a few different sets of tees and then the third factor is just finding some gorgeous scenery because that's a big part of disc golf and what sets the appeal apart from oh yeah from traditional golf is getting out there in nature playing through the woods playing by the rivers and having some great views compared to uh sort of forced nature suburbia in, in regular yeah. golf i think the reason i dropped off of golf um it was like high school into college. I just, one, it's a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Two, like if you don't have a cart, the idea of walking 18 holes carrying like 35 pounds of yeah. clubs sucks. So, yeah, I, I definitely get the uh, the appeal of disc golf where all you have is like a backpack that's not yeah. 35 pounds. No, they are, they are very light. And, I mean, a long disc golf hole that's like a par five is the equivalent of a par three in golf so lugging it around the whole time you're covering a third of the distance and the the money's the big one i mean that was the same reason i stopped regular golf is i just couldn't afford the damn thing once i got to college and suddenly had to pretend to be a grown-up yep yeah unless you're on a scholarship that's that's pretty hard to swing yeah no pun intended i promise (laughs) that was that was pretty rough um (laughs) I was it speaking of rough. One of our topics for today is going to be very rough, but not the yeah, first one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let's save that one for last, because um, it, it's always kind of nice to just go um, to really earn that explicit title at the end of the show rather <laughs> than to just start off guns blazing. So, yeah, yeah we can uh, we can save the rough stuff for later. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of a really good musical reference of like two albums that took that approach, but I, I can't. I mean, I know the starting right away is definitely an Eminem album, but I don't know what the one that has a nice crescendo to some expletives at the end of the album would be. So, listeners, if you can fill that analogy in for me, maybe I'll be able to reuse it on a future episode. I'll tell you an awesome album. When was the last time you listened to 93 Till Infinity by Souls of Mischief? Um. Because I'm not going to lie while I was watching this West coast show, I basically just had that song on a loop in the background. No offense to like the commentary or anything, but yeah. dude, it's such a good song. Like, <laughs> it's one of my favorite hip hop songs, maybe one of my favorite songs ever. So the fact that, you know, a promotion instead of just doing, you know, a, a random quirky punny title, actually it was just like, nah, it's uh, we're going to appeal to you nineties kids. I loved it. I loved it. For those of you who aren't familiar, just listen to the song. You'll have heard it somewhere at some point. You'll fall in love with it again. It's an amazing song. Uh, on that note, that's uh, that's where we're going to kick off the party today. We've got West Coast Pro 93 till infinity. Is West Coast the best independent in the in the scene right now? Then we go into New Japan's Dominion, where we have some uh, some title changes coming up. Followed up by our low point of the week, breaking down a <laughs> tremendously poor G1. So let's uh, let's get right into it. So West Coast Pro, 93 till infinity. We start off breaking tradition. We have been talking about this. Yeah. Covering West Coast, West Coast Pro. What do you do with the conglomerate, this trio? Today we split it up for the night. D-Rogue comes out, cuts a promo talking about Ricky Shane Page challenging him again. Then Ricky's music hits, nothing happens. Dero goes to the back. Ricky hits him, I'm assuming with a chair, judging by the sound. And then we see him kind of come flying out of the curtain. And lo and behold, they have a match. Dero goes over. Typical face versus villain dynamics. Ricky juices like all hell because it's RSP yeah. and that's what he does. And this is maybe the beginning of some singles and tag matches for the conglomerate in the long term. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to next West Co. and they'll be back to being a trio again and we'll complain about it again. Wait and see in a month. Whoever books West Coast Pro, confirmed listener of the Bingo Hall Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've been talking. I think there was one match where we were or there was one show. I think it was the first one we did. It, it was probably a lost episode um, where we were doing our practice run where it was just like, you know, I don't really mind the conglomerate. They're uh, they're just kind of three random guys. They're fine. Let's see where they go from here. And then it was, they were just again and again and again, Mm -hmm. let's open the show. Um, And we were, we've been pretty down on them. So the fact that, again, we got exactly what I've been asking for someone to be singles and Mm -hmm. two of the guys to be a team, they can mix and match all they want. And I think that would be great. Um, Yeah. I have nothing nice to say about Ricky Shane page in this match. I, it was a fine match. But, dude, whenever he bled, that was so bad. And that was to start the show, and there's just, like, puddles of blood on the ring. I'm like, man, come on. Like, that, wrestlers might actually disagree because that's their profession. But I see stuff like this, and I'm like, that's super unprofessional. And if I were a wrestler, I would be really upset that the first match in, in a non-gigging promotion, you know, AJ Gray aside later on, too, to start the match off like that. And then people have to like compete in it. I think it was the next match. Kevin Blackwood was like, no, 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 
clean that up. <laughs> clean that up. I'm not I'm not doing it. And uh, that indeed was the next match. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we might as well just transition there. It was a fun <laughs> match. Um, you know, this rivalry is not done. They, te- you know, they fought some more after. So I'm out of the loop on a lot of the deathmatch stuff is four, four, oh, is Kogar like out of that? Or is like him and Ricky Shane Page like still tight? think they're still friends. I'm not okay. entirely sure. Um, I don't really I don't really follow deathmatch stuff, so I couldn't right. I couldn't give you a good answer either. I feel like I remember RSP saying at one point he was kind of looking to be done with with the deathmatch scene, clearly not with the juicing scene, <laughs> well, but with with things maybe. labeled deathmatches, maybe not deathmatches themselves, just getting away from the title, but as far as I know, they're still there's okay. still a thing, but well, honestly, um, since obviously West Coast Pro listens to the pod, mm-hmm. I think Kogar would be an awesome guy to bring in. Um, they're obviously building around Titus Alexander being like the big heel in the promotion, but dude, I I think Kogar would fit in perfectly here. And there's so mm-hmm. many awesome matchups for him here, um, especially if he wants to get away from the deathmatch label and become more. Uh, widely accepted and have more doors open for him. Um, I think he's got a bright career, but he's going to have to step away from deathmatch, you know, predominantly to do it. Yeah, let's move on. I've already talked about Kevin Blackwood and Levi Shapiro. <laughs> so we might as well jump into it. Yeah, Kevin Blackwood goes over Levi Shapiro, continuing the strange arc of what is Levi Shapiro, and I still don't totally know the answer. Um, I think he's one of the West Coast dads. Is, Maybe, is like yeah. the way I describe it because I think him and Vinny Massaro um, are like the primary trainers in that mm-hmm. scene. So you know, yeah, I mean uh, Shapiro is what he is, but uh, yeah. and I I think right now I can probably say the same for Kevin Blackwood. I haven't seen a ton of growth from him this year. He's kind of just the same guy. Um, but yeah, what did what did you think of the match? It was it was just fine. Yeah, I as much as I feel like I haven't seen a ton of growth out of Blackwood, I also when you look at matches like this, I don't see a ton of opportunity for growth. How much growth are you gonna do with Levi Shapiro in a match? There are I other sh- matches where we can say that, but this is this Shapiro's is not like bad by any means. Oh no, he's, no. He's he is he is a guy. Mm-hmm. Um you could definitely do way, way worse. I mean like if he's your floor You've got a really good promotion. Absolutely. Absolutely you do. Speaking of the head trainers, next up we have Vinny Massaro, <laughs> Mr. Gabagool, going over Jordan Cruz, who allegedly has been on some AEW dark things, although I don't remember him at all. So I'm going to assume he was a quick squash and I didn't notice. Yeah, I have a hard time with those YouTube shows. Um, I have, you know, I think like most fans who just wanted to blindly mm-hmm. support all elite whenever it first started i consumed everything and uh i think it was during the pandemic i was just like dude these tapings are getting insane like i'm glad people are getting work but those things are just so hard i think um it might actually be a good thing <laughs> on air production meeting maybe take a look at those like the tapings and stuff like that mm-hmm. for like who is coming in and maybe researching them more so Bad job out of us for not for not knowing more about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think if anyone's going to really have an idea for who the top prospects are in wrestling, it's probably going to be the front office of All Elite. 
Yeah, that's that's an area where I've been a little frustrated with myself because for the entirety of essentially the pandemic and even a little bit kind of post live crowd return, I was really diligent about keeping up with that and was really on top of who was showing up and who was good. But over the past few months, I've, I've really fallen off on it. And it's a shame because the times I do turn in, it's a lot better than it used to be. There's actual matches now. Oh, there's actually with, quality to like, the matches. Quality. They're, they're not all two-minute squashes anymore. It's it's a show that's, relatively speaking, worth watching. There's just so much content out there and trying to keep up with. You know, we had Battle Best of the Super Juniors. We have a really crappy G1 coming up. There's been some other <laughs> wrestling. Like It's just there's been a lot to keep up with and I've fallen back on it. And it's a shame because I feel like this is the time where I'd be getting the most benefit out of watching because we can actually see what most of these prospects can do. So I do know captain Sean Dean is he and Chris Daniels are kind of the two that are primarily responsible for recruiting a lot of these, these enhancement guys, especially Sean Dean. That is his official office role is recruiting for these, these enhancement talents. So Yep. Well, I'll uh, I'll make sure to give you a live scouting report whenever I go see mm-hmm. undoubtedly 50 matches tomorrow at the Dynamite taping. So you will. You'll get some pre-Dynamite, some post-Dynamite, some post-Rampage. You're gonna get it all, dude. It's uh it's always a blast. But anyway, this match, um, dude, Vinny Massaro is the best. Mm-hmm. He came out rocking his Golden State Warriors gear. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, they beat my Celtics last night. I kind of don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. All right. Yeah, Vinny Massaro, we've said everything we need to say. Speaking of other guys we've talked very highly of, West Coast Wrecking Crew going over the other two members of the conglomerate, Alpha Zoe and Midas Creed. And I got to say, this is the best tag match I've seen out of the conglomerate in quite some time. This was one where I was like, yeah, we split oh. them up, and it's a lot better. But... Is it just me, or has Royce Isaacs gotten bigger? I thought it was going to be a hot take that I was just like, you know, the conglomerate's not bad when you split them up. Like, <laughs> Shit, man, we're too we're too similar. Um, no, he's definitely gotten bigger for sure. Um, yeah. The Wrecking Crew. Um, I I don't know if they're signed exclusively to New Japan Strong. Strong. It would be stupid if they're not. Yep. Uh, if I'm anyone. I would be booking these guys, you know, as long as it, it works for whatever my hypothetical promotion is. But yeah, these guys are awesome. Their chemistry is only getting better, but it's like, what is, what is the finished product going to look like? It's, it's fun to think about, but yeah, Alpha Zoe and Midas Creed were really good in this match. Um, I, I definitely think this was, you know, the wrecking crews match Mm. for sure. It definitely, I don't want to say they carried, the conglomerate, but it was, it was their match. You could yep. tell that they were charged through most of it and, you know, walking through stuff. I'm, I'm so impressed by these guys. Um, and really there is no tag division in West coast pro. Like there's no titles there, you know, it's really just the West coast wrecking crew versus team of the week. And I don't mind that at all. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, they they have a, a really fun match coming up later. We'll talk about that for they sure. They do. Absolutely. We will get to that. But uh, before we get to that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Super heel tits Alexander going over <laughs> Brian Keith. 
They called Titus the most hateable face in wrestling, I think, when he came out. So he is absolutely their mega heel at this point. If it wasn't clear from him flipping them all off at the end of last show when they when he played the big baby face role and then told them all to shove it. They uh they doubled down on him being the heel here. What uh, yeah. what did you think of this one? Um, good for them for bringing out Brian Keith. Uh, this is a guy for those unfamiliar. He's largely he's the Texas guy. Uh, whenever I think about the Texas independence scene, it's literally Brian Keith and like mysterious Q. Uh, maybe a little AQA in there, but I'm a big fan of Brian's and I'm really glad. Sorry, I just had a brain fart because I'm like, yo, when was the last time we talked about the Texas Indies? Because it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. A little more research. Um, but anyway, yeah, Brian Keith is awesome. I was totally fine with him getting the loss here. It's obvious that they're building up Tits Alexander. Yeah. My question to you is, what's what's the play here? Because I, in my head, I was thinking they're just building up Titus to win the, t- the title from Jacob Fatu, and he is like the dude. But now that Starboard, St- Starboy Charlie's back, I think that kind of muddles things up. That's like their big rivalry. Do they need the title for that? You know, Fatu doesn't even show up for most shows, so it's like, I don't know if it really matters, but... Not only is the question, do they need the title for that, but do they want the title for that? Right. Because the play, play you gotta go to is, in those feuds, the face has to go over in the end. Do you, do you really want Starboy Charlie taking it? Like, is Star? Well, we'll talk about it in the main event, but is Starboy Charlie the guy you want to invest in for that spot? Um... You know, just looking looking ahead, there's an awesome show next month, which we'll preview um, whenever we wrap up with this one. Um, but then after that, in August, there's a two night tournament, which let's go. Two night wrestling tournaments are like <laughs> my jam. I wonder if they're going to do Starboy Charlie and Titus there. Or is that a main event that you can actually like sell tickets for in your promotion if you advertise it in advance? Because I'm guessing the winner of that tournament is going to go on to face, you know, that would be the assumption. Yeah. Chips all the way in for Tits Alexander. Honestly, I would probably have him beat Starboy Charlie soon just to blow it off. Yeah. Um, Doing that, I think you do it in the tournament then. Right. That that feels that feels right. Yeah. But anyway, this match was fine. Um, Titus continues to, you know, excel and grow, especially from where we started with him, where, you know, we're just like, he is a jag, you know, just a guy. So, you know, props to him for keep going. You know, he's quickly going to become one of our favorite guys to talk about, much like these next two guys. Yeah, this is this is the mat. I mean, it was a pretty, pretty respectable card. promotion that we've we've talked about a lot being good uh but this is this is the match that sold the show yeah ddt excursion extraordinaire kanosuke Takeshita defeating speedball mike bailey our preliminary 2022 wrestler of the year this match was a banger Takeshita is something special speedball continues to show up day after day after day whatever you think you were going to get from this match you did. And it was, it was fantastic. It was speedball with the typical kicks in his offense. And for those who haven't watched Takeshita, he's, 
He can do a few high spots, but that's not his jam. He's more of a strong style type guy, heavy lariats, heavy strikes, and they they meshed really well together for this match. I enjoyed every second of it. Yeah, they have a pass together in DDT Pro. This was supposed to be the main event, but then uh, I think, you know, Veda and Bailey had date night, so they just wanted <laughs> to get out of there. But um, this match was amazing. If we weren't covering Dominion, this is my match of the mm-hmm. week easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Takesh does everything is advertised. If you're if those of you who are listening are not familiar, find out his stuff. Like look look it up. Look for his matches against Omega. Mm-hmm. The the tag match he had versus the uh, Golden Lovers. I can't remember his partner, but dude, it was amazing. Um, and I it it totally took me a minute to realize that's the same guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he is by all means delivering on his excursion. Uh, he's a little old for excursion, mm-hmm. which is interesting, but from everything that I've learned, this isn't him just like now he's in America. This is like a one year trip Yep. and he is, you know, building up the brand of DDT pro mm-hmm. for when he goes back. Um, and he's basically done everything he can there. So, uh, I'm really interested to see, moving forward, the relationship with DDT Pro and AEW. I, I think that's going to be more fruitful than the one with New Japan. And I think uh, I think you hit it there, because like you said, Takeshita is old for a traditional excursion. And I think that is the entire point of him going on this excursion. The big point is to get him to, into AEW a lot and be a featured player there to hype up the relationship with DDT. And if you're DDT looking at that, you have to send someone who's going to be an ace and who's going to hype up your promotion. And based on where DDT's at right now, I don't think you're sending Goshi Ozaki over. So you need someone like Kanosuke Takeshita who can who can really carry and make a name for your brand and make people excited to go watch it. And I think, uh, yeah, I think the entire point of this excursion is to build up that relationship. And going forward, I expect we're going to see reverse excursions, too, with perhaps people of the likes of Lee Moriarty heading over to DDT for some stints. And and I, I, I think they would do much better in a DDT than they would just being lost in the shuffle of young lions. Exactly. Exactly. Japan. Yeah. The relationship um, in new Japan has got to be more for your Moxley's and your Danielson's and the ready made guys where you're hitting dream matches. Well, um, getting back to the match itself, I loved it. Like I said, these guys have awesome chemistry. You alluded to it. Bailey is the runaway pick for wrestler mm-hmm. of the year. I mean, even if we're looking at like big picture, um, the entire world of wrestling, Mm-hmm. Who has had that? That is what I meant. A, yeah, a better resume. Um, you know, you can you can get into specifics about you know drawing power, how much money they've generated, and I those are all like those those that stuff's important. Mm-hmm. But as far as just match quality, I haven't seen Bailey have a have a bad match mm-hmm. this year. Like he does not take any match off, uh, and I've got a ton of respect for him. And dude, I. Takeshita is on a roll. We're going to be talking about one of his matches for next week's show, but dude, yep. I think um, I think a lot of people were woken up by that match against Hangman on Dynamite, yep. and uh, this next year is going to be a ton of fun, dude. Here's to Omega coming back, and you know, get a new tag team partner. So yeah, 
but anyway, yeah, seek seek this match out. It's on IWTV. It's one mm-hmm. of the heavily promoted things, and it's like halfway through the card. Yeah, yeah, um, I think there was like an hour and a half left in the show or something when this one started. Yeah, I think it was at like the one hour twenty one mark. Um, I wanted to make point of that, so uh, definitely check it out. I dude, Bailey's just awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up we have Filthy Tom Lawler going over AJ Gray. I have some interesting thoughts about AJ Gray himself after because there are some developments going on there. But before I get to that, what uh, what did you think of this match? I thought it was fine. Um, Lawler keeps growing, and I think AJ is plateaued. So it's interesting to see you know Lawler's stock continue to rise. Um, mm-hmm. Not like AJ Gray's a slouch. Like he is an awesome promo. Mm-hmm. He's a walking brawl guy. He's got a very vicious style. Um, you know, he wrestles a lot like a shorter John Moxley type feel. Um, I feel like him and Sammy Callahan would be like an awesome, like dirty, nasty tag team where they just like beat the hell out of people. I'm not saying like I need that on every mm-hmm. indie show. I'm just saying they, yeah. you know, stylistically they fit well together. Um, the match itself was fine. It was only like 10, 12 minutes. Like it was a relatively, like mm-hmm. not a very long match. So yeah, I think uh, with the match itself, I think that the selling point to me is that it was 10 to 12 minutes. This is something we've talked about before that not every match needs to be Takesh to Bailey. Some matches can tell the story in eight or nine or 10 minutes. And this is a case of that. And I think it made the match better because of it, but more I on mean, the notion, oh. like you're saying, if this match went 15, mm-hmm. 18, 20 minutes, we'd be burying the hell out of it yep. right now. There's no need for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, on the AJ Gray front, there are some interesting developments as of today. So a few days ago on the internet sphere, the lovely wrestling community online, there have been some resurfacing of some talks about AJ Gray and even Matt Justice having a some issues backstage, potentially some accusations resurfacing about them. Um, if we think back to obviously the movement that has caught several wrestlers, not saying anything either way about the accusations, because honestly, when it comes to AJ Gray, I don't even know what they are really. I just read some comments. That they're starting to pop up again, but regardless of what it is, and I, I legitimately don't know because when those first, I mean, I haven't been really an AJ Gray guy, so when they first came out, I didn't really pay much attention to him popping up in there, as opposed sure. to guys like Marty Skrull. Yeah, the big names. Yeah, exactly. So I would have to actually go back and look. But about six hours ago, uh, AJ Gray posted a, a little story on his Instagram, and I will read the caption word for word. Y'all won. You want me gone so bad. I'll leave everything. Thanks for wasting my time, life. Hope you're haunted every day by this shit. So I assume this is in reference to that stuff popping up again, because I can't think of anything else that I've been hearing about that could create this. But uh, AJ, definitely not uh, not in the best space right now. I don't know much more than that, but there may be some new new developments on AJ Gray by the time next podcast comes yeah. around. Yeah, man, I spend one day traveling and I'm uh, out of the loop mm-hmm. on everything. This um, I wouldn't have known about it either, but one of our friends who loves Game Changer posted this caption in our uh, our group chat, and it caught my eye, and I went digging. So, yeah, I I don't know. I 
AJ is a very emotional dude. Mm-hmm. If you've ever even listened to him talk yep. or tweet, I'm gonna call his bluff on the retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I let's see uh, if he doesn't get booked or his you know mm-hmm. appearances start getting canceled. That's one thing. Yep. Uh, but he'll always have a home in Game Changer. I'm I'm shocked that you know people who do get canceled don't find a home there. Not to just shit talk Game Changer, but it's like I, I think their fans give them a lot of grace and just mm-hmm. love their guys and gals. Yeah, I don't know. I I literally know nothing about it, so I'm probably not comfortable talking any more about it. Yeah, I don't know anything about it either. Didn't really want to get into the logistics of it. Just mentioned sure, that sure, that sure. is likely the trigger for that comment, and we'll see if we have more news next week on it. Who knows? But next match, we're going to a much different match style than the dynamic yep. we just left. Yep. Nick Wayne, the young AEW future prodigy, going over Trey Miguel. I can't decide if this is a huge win for Wayne or not a huge win for Wayne because Miguel and West Coast isn't really where I think of Miguel's home being. So right. it's a safer place for him to pick up a loss. But at the same time, Trey Miguel is a name. That is not nobody to go over. So... Time will tell what it means for Nick Wayne in West Coast specifically, but uh, Trey Miguel is a, a pretty standard type opponent for Wayne in his wrestling style. We've talked about Wayne being a, very much a young Osprey and a prodigy of Osprey, and that fits uh, fits a Trey Miguel match pretty well. So it's it was what I expected in that sense. Um, match itself, I didn't really get into. I thought Trey was pretty sloppy. To be honest, there was just a lot of stuff where it's just um, it was a lot more style than it was impact on things. And it's just I don't know. I wish he would have laid in some of his stuff a little harder. Mm-hmm. I think it would have looked great. Uh, match itself was fine. I just I couldn't really get into it. And I can't really tell you why they were diving off of stuff onto each other. It was fine. There were flips. It was fine. It just didn't do a lot for me. Now, now, big picture, whenever I was thinking about this earlier, if I'm West Coast Pro I keep Nick Wayne and Titus Alexander as far away from each other as you can. And that's your hero in the promotion moving forward. As far as like young guys to build around, Nick Wayne is already signed. So you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about him leaving. Um, he can go on a big undefeated streak. That's fine. Maybe get screwed out of like a title shot or something like that. But he is absolutely someone I would be building around. And honestly, you know, I don't know how many promotions are really using him regularly Mm -hmm. outside of like Game Changer and, you know, the West Coast ones. We're obviously high on Nick Wayne. You know, every time his name comes up, he's someone, you know, we definitely have eyes on. Um, Even in the promotions that we don't prefer watching, you know, we we still we still (laughs) seek out his stuff. Spoiler Um, alert. Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) no avoiding next week's. Uh, We'll definitely be covering that on the show. But. Yeah, this match itself was fine. I don't even think it was necessarily Nick Wayne's best showcase match, but we'll see. He's facing ACH next month. Yes, so he is. That's, oh my gosh, this promotion's awesome. You raised the question in the preview. I think West Coast Pro is probably the best independent that we have right now. One, based off of just good consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some other places are consistent, but in a not great way. They run right on schedule. It, you can count on them once a month. It's 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 awesome. And do just their show to show booking. They're putting over young mm-hmm. talent. It's I <laughs> storytelling is kind of an overused word in wrestling. But dude, 
independent storytelling is really, really hard to do, and West Coast is hitting the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Now, I know they listen to our podcast. I swear we're not on their payroll. They're just big fans of us, and we're big fans of them. I know. So. They can pick me. <laughs> I will take it in a heartbeat. Let's go. <laughs> Moving on to the main event, we have the return of Starboy Charlie going over Mr. Adam Brooks. Thoughts on the match and thoughts on it being the main event. I'm interested to know why Takeshita and Bailey went on early. Uh, that would have been an absolute banger to end the show. Ending with Starboy Charlie defeating Adam Brooks didn't do anything for me. I think Adam Brooks is awesome. He's someone who is very underutilized, especially in you know the United States scene. It sucks that he got fed to Starboy Charlie because... I don't think he's ready for any amount of push, even on a local level. He's he's a guy and, you know, he's being built up to go up against his, you know, former tag partner, current mm-hmm. rival Titus Alexander. And you got to you got to pick up some wins. You got to get some heft in your name. Mm-hmm. And I just Charlie's fine, but he's no Adam Brooks. Yeah, I think I would agree with the thoughts on the match. Adam Brooks is someone that I don't think gets a. Uh enough credit for how good he is. And I don't think that promotions that we've seen him in lately are doing him any favors in that either. I think this, this came up in a warrior wrestling show we covered recently too, where Adam Brooks kind of got, got screwed over. Um, If I had to guess if I'm West coast, the justification I have for this main eventing over to Keshta is that Starboy is someone that's a West Coast regular, and they're trying to set that up. Oh yeah, up I mean the fans, the fans like, are into the him. The fans were into his. Story. They were into his return last right. time. They went nuts I for it. it. So I, I think that's you know I get the decision to main event it for that and not put the you know the excursion guy as the main event, especially knowing the excursion guy was going over Bailey, who I mean it, Bailey's a regular in every independent. He's not like he's a West Coast regular. He's just a regular everywhere. So. It's, I, I, think, I get it. I think he is like a building block of West Coast Pro, though. Like, I mm-hmm. I would be less excited for a West Coast show if Bailey's not on the card. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we can get to it in the preview. But, yeah, I mm-hmm. I made a prediction a couple weeks ago whenever we were talking about Bailey's future on the independence. And I think we might be getting a taste of it sooner rather than later. And that uh, that leads us right into... The preview for the next West Coast Pro Show. Another awesome 90s song. Let's go. Absolutely. Coming July 8th. It is a cruel, cruel, cruel summer. We have some... Oh, oh my God, is this card sweet. We have the tag match. It's not even the full card. This isn't even the full card. No, this is the highlight reel, and what a highlight reel it is. We have Motor City Machine Guns against the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Let's go. Let's do it. We have Speedball Mike Bailey against Starboy Charlie, and that is exactly what you were alluding to with the future of Speedball and the Independence. This is going to be an interesting one to see how it goes. Speedball's eating the loss. I There's no way he beats Starboy Charlie. And yeah. like I said in yeah, the uh, uh, wrap-up, I think a heel turn for Bailey on the Independence would be a very good thing. Not even like a dark karate guy or anything mm-hmm. like that, but... Just someone who's just pissed of losing, shows a darker side, kicks a little bit stiffer. I mean, that's the only thing missing in his resume right now is just a full-blown, like, uh, (laughs) we change up the song. He's not coming out to Beastie Boys. He just 
doesn't give. <laughs> hey, we don't <laughs> want that copyright strike. <laughs> I held it in for uh, 93 th- till infinity. You think I'm on key uh-huh. enough to get us a copyright strike? Those <laughs> bots are not that smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, a Mike Bailey who doesn't give a shit what you think and is just going to come out there and kick people's heads in. I, peop, if that happens, people who are hesitant to be like, Mike Bailey's your wrestler of the year, I'm like, yes. And from, you know, July on, that's why. Um, I, I think it's it's very needed. Yeah, so I think... Uh, I think that's the guy that Bailey, I think if the Bailey heel turns coming... I don't think you go all the way after this match. I think this is the first seed. I think across a few promotions, and this is where Bailey has. I mean, the crowd's going to be cheering for. Oh, absolutely! Know, so this is this Bayley. is planting the seed of frustration, and he's got three or four different promotions he can run this in, and he can do this in two weeks flax. He wrestles so frequently that you don't need the full turn here. This can plant the first seed. The alternative that I could see happening is Bailey picks up the win. Tits Alexander does a little bit of screwy to screw over Starboy to set up that match. Then when Tits beats Starboy in the tournament as well, that sends Starboy on a longer arc where they actually give him time to develop and become better before he turns into a face. I like your version a lot better, but I can see either one of those happening. If it's the Bailey turn, I think it's got to be the start of the turn, not a complete turn. Sure. When Bailey turns, it is going to be like Osprey turning, and it is going to launch him into the stratosphere. When Osprey turned on Chaos and went super heel, that was that was a that is a defining moment in Osprey's career, and that is the Mike Bailey moment that's coming. I think a, a hard-edged Mike Bailey mm-hmm. is, is signing to a bigger promotion than Impact. Yep, I hope it's not a long deal with Impact. But you can probably buy it out anyways. I mean, shit. Even if it is, Impact Mm -hmm. could use... uh, Well, anyway, I'm just going to cut this out because Impact isn't going to do shit with anybody. Nope. But we've got ACH versus Nick Wayne. We've already talked about that. It is going to be a hell of a match. How, How do you pick match of the night? Like, whenever you look at those three matches, it's just like, what's going to steal the show? I mean, this is one of those cases where you argue for that signing bonus for ma- that bonus for match of the night. This is the card that that's appropriate put for. Put up the bounty. Yeah, put up the bounty. I think that is such a cool idea. I wish more promotions would do that on a regular basis. I wish a Texas promotion did it. Yeah. <laughs> like imagine, like, I mean, I don't know. And I mean, anyway, you literally shit, have a have bounty five, hunter gimmick with pun, pun involved. Like, do you know who would be I mean, perfect for that? Brian Keith. That dude listen, has bounty hunter written all over him. I mean, I was just about to say the same thing. Whenever we uh, we end up inevitably starting the, uh, you know, independent promotion, the Bingo Hall Boys Wrestling, mm-hmm. we have to do it. 50-50 yeah. raffle, best match of the night goes to the participants and one lucky person in the crowd. Let's that is, go. That is every the sing- idea. Every single show. File that fucking trademark before somebody, one of our 10 <laughs> listeners doing it, takes it on us. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Tony Khan's going to hear this. Yeah. He, he for sure listens to every wrestling podcast. This, this program has been recorded on June 14th, 2022. <laughs> any any ideas of this 50-50 bounty coming after June 14th, 2022 are, uh, are due in court. <laughs> Anyways, continuing on, we have Tits Alexander continuing his ascension, this time going over Jack. I'm assuming going over. I'm just kind of. <laughs> 
writing the story for them. But he's going to go over Jack Cartwheel, and that could be a very fun match. It's going to be really good. I think the one recommendation I would give to Titus Alexander is to stop doing dives. That is babyface stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even tease it and then not yeah. do it and get get the the heat for it, but we gotta stop doing outside dives uh, if you're the bad guy. It yeah. it just it doesn't. Some people can pull it off. It just doesn't fit him well. He needs nope. to be. He needs to start studying his MJF tapes. Yeah, TJP can do a a villain dive. Right. Titus Alexander shouldn't, and that's fine. And then we have Zeta Zang versus Masha Slamovich. I feel like I've seen this before. I probably have seen this before. There's some like there's a limited amount of like top tier female wrestlers mm-hmm. on the indies, so it's just like it really is just yeah. kind of like having a ma- a series of matches over yeah. multiple yeah. promotions. But should be a good match. Yeah. All Honestly, right. I didn't even notice that there wasn't a women's match on the uh, 93 till Infinity. I didn't either, and like of all people to notice that, I would be the one to, yeah. to find that and point that out, and it totally escaped me. And I think that is just—I mean, I mean, it's credit, not that they're unwilling; it's just credit to them for putting on a, a show so good that I that I didn't realize that. I was gonna say credit to them for not forcing it. It's pretty glaring and pretty obvious whenever a promotion just does mm-hmm. a token women's mm-hmm. match just to have one mm-hmm. i i think that's a negative against women's wrestling and if i if i was booking and i couldn't book any of the women i wanted i'm just not doing it and i'm glad that they stuck to that absolutely i, I, and the, I think that's that's a very good thing to do and this is not that is not meant to be a negative on women's wrestling that's meant to be a help to women's wrestling there are promotions like thunder rose's mission pro which are great for developing women they're all women's shows tons of women get opportunities to work Fuck Thunder Rosa herself. I can hear the laughter already coming through the screen because I'm so grumpy with her lately. But uh, I was going to say, I love that entire promotion because it's uh, half the participants are just like potatoing during the whole match and <laughs> just like, just corpsing. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's very much a development promotion. And that's that's where those matches have to go somewhere where people are going to be patient and understanding that they're watching an unfinished product that's learning to grow. When you put them into big indies like West Coast they got to be able to bring it at that point. And the reality is most of the women that can bring it are signed because it's just, it's population density. There are 20 times as many guys that can go as women because that's how it's been historically. And it takes a long time to close that gap. And you're not doing, you're not doing the women any favor, thrusting them into the spotlight. Right. You're doing them a better favor, giving them places where they can grow and get reasonable crowds and places like mission pro are, are great for that right now. I'm so glad I don't have a co-host who's just like pounding the walls being like, we have to have women's wrestling on every show. Break out the stopwatch. We have to do like the same amount of time. Stuff like that's important, man. Like it is people, people people can't virtue signal stuff like that. It's, it's disingenuous. No. And they're doing more harm than good. And like anyone listening, I coach almost exclusively female athletes and have for 12 years now. High school female athletes, very, people who need positive role models in sport to show them that it's possible. You are not doing them favors by forcing crap onto the air. If you have two women that can go and you have to run that every second or third show and make it a banger, or do every that. Show. Whatever. Do every like, show. Yeah. Do that. Run the same fucking match. If it's a good match, people are still going to get behind it and... That's going to do women's wrestling as a whole a lot more favors than the Lorong one. If we look at the reputation 
you know, all Japan women from the 90s still have today. Like, that's still persevering today over a lot of other wrestling. And we'll see this in sports across the board. I think there's still a huge market potential for women in sport. But we have to be really careful and smart about how we develop it because it's it's a make or break moment. Well, there you go. We just solved the U.S. Indies. Let's uh, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to Japan. Let's go to a promotion where we're certain not to have women's matches for a different reason, because it's an all men's promotion. New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. All right. This was a hell of a night. A lot of interesting developments. We start off with. All right. Working in next, we get to New Japan Pro Wrestling Dominion. There were a lot of matches on this card, so rather than going through every single match, I'm going to run it down. Then we're going to highlight the stuff that actually matters. So we kick off United Empire, Aaron Hanare, Akira, and TJP going over Master Wado, Taguchi, and Hiroshi Tenzan. Which, by the way, I got my wish. Tenzan got his ass beat. (laughs) We followed that up with Bullet Club, new Bullet Club member Ace Austin, El Fantasmo, and still junior heavyweight champion Taiji Ishimori going over LIJ, Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Hiromu. We followed that up with Toru Yano going over Ta- Toru Yano beat Doc Gallows. Let's move yeah, on. That is what it is. Laughing. So the, Never- <laughs> the, well, really quick on that one, because I don't think that we're going to be talking about that. That will the, not make the cut. Whenever, no. move on. whenever AEW did the impromptu bracket for the new title that they're doing, uh, they said it would uh, a New Japan match would take place to determine the fourth person. And everyone looked at the Dominion card and was like, wait, so which one of these matches could it be? Is it Toru Yanu Doc Gallows? Thank God like, it's not. Oh, man. Oh, I was oh, a little man. bit scared. I was a little bit scared. But it is not. It is not. We can cover that. They've actually announced what that is now, and we can get into oh, that. Oh, they did? Yeah. They did. I'll call, uh, after we after I run through the card before we cover Been the matches, amazing, I'll hit man. I'll hit Been spoiler alert. Uh, next up, we had the never open weight six man tag team titles, perhaps the most irrelevant title in the business. We have House of Torture, Evil Show, and Takahashi going over Desperado, Kanemaru, and Zack Saber Jr. That one will definitely not get covered. No, I mean it just it it keeps House of Torture busy, and honestly, like I. This is how you don't use your trios titles. Yeah. Like, I, they're meaningless. But if these trio titles are my convenience fee to keep evil away from any type of main event scene, then screw it. it. Let's just do it. Yeah, that's yeah, but the, the objectionable so, alternative. Yeah, sure, you don't get evil or Takahashi, but that also keeps show out of the junior division for the most part. So Yeah, I know, but Hosea Torture is what's keeping show out, so we got to get him out of there. That's a whole other issue. All right, in the most easy spoiler I've ever predicted, the (laughs) IWGP Tag Team Championships. Surprise, surprise, Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb beat Chase Shitface Owens and Dumbfuck Folly for the titles. I don't know if there are two wrestlers in the business I like less than Chase Owens and Dumbfuck Folly, so I really don't like Chase Owens. He also has some accusations from that speaking out thing, which New Japan is the other place where you can go for redemption. New Japan does not care. If it's in America, they don't care. You get accused in Japan, you've got a problem. you got crimes from America. Can you get across the border? Come on over. They do not care. They brought Marty in. They they brought Marty in. I mean, yeah, they do not care one bit. But uh, United Empire taking back the tag titles, no surprise. 
we have the interim AEW Championship Eliminator, Tanahashi going over Goto. I don't think it's any surprise that was the outcome. Next up, and this is one where I misunderstood the stipulation based on how it was written, the King of Wrestling title. This was 10-minute unlimited pinfalls. I thought it was just a 10-minute time limit, like just a really short match. It was a 10-minute reverse Iron Man match. Like, it was yeah. it was a sprint match. Uh, Shingo Takagi goes over Taichi. I think the pin count for Takagi got into double digits, but I can't remember. It was yeah. like 10-8 or something like that. It was a lot of pinfalls in 10 minutes, which that's a whole other argument for another day. Never Openweight Championship. Carl Anderson, new championship, going over Tamatonga. Two tag team specialists showing back up in the single scene. I do have some thoughts on that one to cover, so I'm going to save them. We have the IWGP United States Championship. Osprey going over Sonata. No Juice Robinson. Juice... Uh, I forget what he caught, but he got sick with something. Yeah. And appendicitis. He had to get his appendix out. That's what it is. And New Japan policy, if you can't make the match, your title stripped. Happened to Moxley. Happened to Juice here. Just the curse of the U.S. title at this point. Yep. Um, there is more to talk about with that, too, because it's really going to be key for Osprey's story. And then the big one, as we both called last week, and again, one of those obvious but correct decisions, Switchblade Jay White goes over Kazuchika Okada. If we are looking at the important things on this card, we have the Eliminator, we've got... I have some stuff to say about the... I would, I would say from the, the Eliminator on. Yeah, so Eliminator match, Hiroshi Tanahashi goes over Hiroki Goto, which is setting up Moxley Tanahashi, which we got teased last... And could not uh, could not have come to fruition. I believe that was when Moxley decided to make a great decision and get some help and get sober. And now we are getting to run that match back with added significance instead of the U.S. title. We're going for the big one in AEW. Yep. Yeah. I uh, this match itself, um, both guys are really really good. This have reminded me of like an uh, an early G1 match where it's like neither <laughs> guys looking to go out there and just absolutely kill it. That said. It was fun. I really yeah. liked it. Absolutely. Um, and really, if you can't do like Forbidden Door does feel snake bit. I'm pretty confident that the final card's going to look really good. Mm-hmm. Um, we can touch on that, you know, as we continue to talk about this. But dude, if you can't do Punk Tanahashi, Tanahashi Moxes, I mm-hmm. honestly, I think that's a better match. Yeah. Um, on paper, I think the dream match of Punk coming back in facing Tanahashi, that makes it huge, like a big deal. Mm-hmm. But I'm so interested to see the chemistry between Mox and Tanahashi. I honestly can't wait to preview that match because I think we're going to have a lot of fun stuff to say. Absolutely. And Godo's Godo. I, I mean, I, yeah, um, I would. You know what? Let's let's give Godo a nice little DDT run. I think that'd be a yeah. Let's go. Great spot for him right now. Let's do it. Um, I mean, Mortal- could you have Goto and Noah? Mm-hmm. Like, Noah it needs mm-hmm. main event guys. Like, could you imagine Goshi Izaki versus Hiroki Goto? Absolutely. Like, come that is on. a hell that of might, a match. That might be match of the year, honest. That would be a fantastic match. That is a small aside. If you're unfamiliar with Goshi Izaki, go seek out some matches. Ooh, dude, he's next level. This dude is Okada good. Like, he is incredible. There's there's like one guy in each of the Japanese like big promotions mm-hmm. that I'm a huge fan of and it's just like it Shiyazaki is the dude and Noah that it's just I cannot miss mm-hmm. any of his stuff. Any of his yeah. stuff at all. 
Yeah, good, good match. I think more to the point of Forbidden Door being snake bit. It has been snake bit in a couple cases. I think we might end up getting a better rest pure wrestling card because it's snake bit. We're missing the draw power of Punk, but right, we're probably getting a better actual wrestling match out of Tanahashi Moxley, and I think there's a couple couple arguments to be made on this card for that. So Omega, that's a hard one to lose, but <laughs> I mean. I wouldn't be shocked if his music hits and he comes out at some point. Now, Absolutely. honestly, I think the relationship between him and New Japan is still pretty bad. So even if Omega was healthy, mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd be getting a high profile yeah. match. Now, someone that I talked about last week, I was begging for the king, Shikingo, to get a <laughs> singles match at Forbidden Door after beating Taichi. Uh, I would love nothing more than mm-hmm. Shingo to, to come through the door. So, with Shingo having the King of Pro Wrestling title, what match do you book at the door for him? I was going to say a submission match versus Danielson, but it looks like we're going to be getting Danielson versus ZSJ, which on its own is going to be... That is a dream match. What are you thinking? I'm I'm going to need a second. Yeah, I... I've been trying to decide what the best match for Shikingo is going to be. Unfortunately, I fucking match, hate that that nickname's gonna stick. <laughs> I know, I know. Honestly, it just sounds good. Are gonna kill us for years to come. Um, the match I really want is one I don't think can happen because I think the AAA CMML relationships are going to eliminate this possibility. Because I wanted Shikingo Penta. I think that's the that would have been a really cool match, but it can't happen. Um, thinking of someone who's gonna fit fit Takagi's style well that isn't going to have another match that kind of needs a place on the show it's really really difficult to decide who that person is I got it alright oh with it because I'm still trying to figure it out I don't know what the actual like stipulation would Mm be maybe a last man standing is kind of lame but something along those lines Shingo versus Keith Lee Mm. It's probably get the, behind biggest, that. the biggest one you can do. I could get behind that match. That that would fit. That or would fit quite well. Shingo Darby. Shingo Darby could be fun. And to my knowledge, Darby doesn't really have a spot coming up on the card. That could that could definitely work, too. Shingo Powerhouse Hobbs. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of, like, the biggest dudes on the roster that mm-hmm. they, could, they could do. I mean, shit, I would even want to see the weird clash of doing Shingo versus Orange Cassidy, but he's hurt. You yeah, know, I, just, I think he's I, getting I, close. I, I think he's close. Um, but anyway, uh, the uh, yeah, the 10 limited unlimited pinfall scramble. I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, um, I'm not a Taiichi guy at all. Um, I think the gimmick is lame. I, I He's gotten better. He, it's weird. He's one of the few people I feel like have gotten better post-pandemic. Yeah. These guys have awesome chemistry, and I am surprisingly really into their mid-card feud. <laughs> they keep getting better and better, and they're not necessarily like repeating stuff that they've done in the ring before. Hmm. Um, yeah, they've got really good chemistry, so I wouldn't mind seeing seeing them do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up, we have the Never Openweight Championship. Carl mm-hmm. Anderson taking a singles title, defeating Tama Tonga. Um, 
the thing that's really intriguing about this to me is these are both kind of stories, you know, Gorilla's Destiny got booted from Bullet Club and there's been a lot of tie, like they've been saddled as a tag team for to- so long and it's not that they're breaking up, but they wanted to explore some single stuff too. And I think we're kind of seeing the same thing with Carl and, uh, and Gallows where they're like good brothers are still a tag team, but they're branching out. And this match was like, Carl Anderson, I think, is someone who's strengthened by being able to, like, not be saddled with Gallows and do single stuff, whereas Tamatonga has almost made me just feel like your place is in a tag team and the singles experiment isn't working. And this this match was kind of the epitome of that, where, you know, Carl taking the title made made a lot of sense to me. I didn't think Tama would be the breakout singles guy from uh, Gorillas of Destiny. Mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be Tangaloa. Um I think the frustrating thing with Anderson and Gallows, um, because anyone familiar with Anderson and New Japan knew that, you know, he was a really good singles guy. Yeah. Um, you know, well, he'll never let it die, but, you know, he, he was a finalist in mm-hmm. the G1. 2012 G1. Um, he, he is a very good wrestler, and he even alluded to it post-match where it's like, yeah, when I need to turn it on, I'm going to turn it on. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do it for fucking 200 people. Um. I think they lost the plot in that tag team because I think it was supposed to be Carl Anderson and his heater, this mm. giant dude who's like his enforcer. Yeah. And then they both just kind of eased off the gas and yeah. it, it just, they just became a team. So if they, if they can recapture what that team was originally supposed to be, I don't mind Anderson and Gallows back in. If with that qualifier, it's a huge, if, if, they're going to be ass kickers and they're not coming in here to be lazy because yeah. from everything that I can tell Anderson is revitalized and I, I mm-hmm. think he wants to prove himself. Yeah. Um, and this match was really good. Yeah. Um, it was, it was better than I thought it would be. Absolutely. Um, then Let's we get into to the potential match of the night into a change of card. This was originally supposed to be a triple threat. However, juice Robinson had to vacate Triangle. the title. It's triangle. Right. Yes, we have we the agree. triangle. I got to remember this. I got to put this in our show notes that it's a triangle. We were supposed to have a triangle match. Juice Robinson got appendicitis, so he was unable to defend and had to relinquish what it. Dork. I assume the plan all along was for Osprey to win the match. Um, Osprey went over Sonata to take it, but either way, Osprey is the new IWGP United States champion. However, he does not have the title. It's so cringe. You want to talk about interim championships. This was the absolutely worst way to go. <laughs> a really good match. And mm-hmm. this is coming from someone who does not care for Sonata. I'm not a Sonata guy point. either. This was an excellent match and just another testament um, to Will Ospreay. But. I think, yeah, no, this is, I mean, if we're talking big, big picture, Ospreay is probably wrestler of the year. Um, and I think his out, I think we're going to ride Bailey as the dude. But I think come G1, Osprey is going to have yep. an awesome tournament, and it's going to be undeniable. Um, that said, the plans for the U.S. title are weird, dude. You want to talk about mm-hmm. something snake bit? Yep. Um, I'm guessing the original pl- – why put the title on Juice? That's the, that's the part that I keep coming back to that feels really weird because the what my thinking is going into Forbidden Door was going to be – Osprey versus Mox for the U.S. title. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to do if you give Juice the U.S. title. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, all of this feels weird. Are we heading towards Osprey versus Trent at Forbidden Door for the U.S. title? 
I hope so. I really wouldn't hope that, so. Wouldn't that oh, I, I hope that's the match. I really do. It has to be, right? It's It's got to be, yeah. I mean, Osprey got embarrassed on Dynamite last week. Yes. And I think he's going to come out tomorrow and kick ass, which I am so psyched to be in person and finally see, mm-hmm. like, a top-tier Will Osprey match. Oh, my gosh. Well, the other question with that, like, he's he's wrestling Dax tomorrow. Plan's going to be Trent for the U.S. title, we think, and I, I think that's an awesome, awesome guess, If it, and ho- I hope it's correct. Is FTR joining Chaos, or is this just a way to In get In as much as they might need to for a show or two, but no, I think, I think we're getting, well, do you pull Trent out of that triangle tag match and just do FTR versus Great O'Con and Jeff Cobb? I don't know. There's a bunch of different ways that they there, can go. There are, there are a lot of different ways that they can go with this, and I don't, uh, even in terms of Trent's future, there's it's a million so different ways they can go. It's so fun to fantasy book. Like, let's go. Oh, let's there's so it. many cool ways we can run this Trent storyline, too. So we'll see uh, what happens, but there's a lot of potential implications down the road for, for so all So before before we get to the main event, who what was the announced match for the uh, final spot in that four-way match at uh, Forbidden Door? All right, so here's how it's going to work for getting the four-way match at Forbidden Door to be in the All-Atlantic Championship four-way match. Sick-looking belt, by the way. Looks gorgeous, but... uh, It reminds me of an old territory belt. Yeah. It's... I mean, which isn't shocking, considering who runs the company. Yeah. Um, Some of the titles are starting to look a little samey, though. Um, this one looks very, very identical to the brand new women's title. So that's I what I was thinking too. Slight, slight issue with the design, but dude, I'm, I'm a belt pervert. Like I think mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm short of owning like a bunch of like the championship yeah. belts. I'm not there. Uh, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be that guy, but dude, I love titles. So any new yeah. title is going to be awesome. All right. So here's how this is going to work. So we know it's, it's pack Miro and Alistair black. Yeah, we, we don't officially know two well, of them still have to win their matches, but we know, yes. Pac, it's not going to be Penta and Ethan Page. No, it will saying. not. It will be Pac, Miro, and Black. We know that. The fourth person, we know who the fourth person is going to be when you hear how this is going to work. So the way New Japan is going to do it, there are going to be two two matches on their June 20th tour stop in Cork and Hall. And then there is going to be a match after that at uh Corican the very next day on June 21st so both so it's like a mini shows, mini tournament a little mini tournament for them as well kind of like you know the other three sides of the bracket they're just doing a longer one so the two qualifying matches you've got Tomoaki Honma against Clark Connors okay and then Kanemaru against Ishii so you know who's coming to Forbidden Door and oh my god we are getting packed Miro, Malachi Black, and Ishii. In the same fucking match. In the ring. same fucking match. Are you kidding me? I'm normally not a fan of, like, you know, triangle or square matches, as we but, like to call them around oh here. But, my dude, God. Miro squaring up toe-to-toe with Ishii. Yeah. So, the, the way to get there is irrelevant. That's the match we're getting. And I love it. It's <laughs> a lot better than Toriyanu. Holy shit. So that's where like it's said, going. Forbidden Door is shaping up to be a really good show. It's just, it, is... it, it was really hard to like yeah. not build that show until mm-hmm. after both Double or Nothing and, and Dominion, Dominion happened. So we're like two weeks, what, two yeah. weeks out? 
Just over? Uh, we are like, yeah, we're 12 days out. It's going to start coming together fast. Yep. I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. Danielson got set up here when Zack just called him out. Like, right. hey, this is the match. You're getting it. We're doing it. Which is All awesome right. to have Danielson on that show. That was oh. scary to think about. Yep. Anyway, we need to talk about the main event. We're yes, already uh, over we are an hour. Into the main event, Switchblade, Jay White, breathe with the Switchblade. The Switchblade era has reignited in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We have a new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, now two-time champion under the age of 30, and a gaijin, absolutely unheard of. Switchblade Jay White defeating Kazuchika Okada for the big one. No, this is the push that they wanted to give to Omega, but obviously there was a clash of personalities yep. there. Um, so before we actually get into the match itself, I kind of fell down that rabbit hole of this thought exercise of what Jay White's career would be looking like right now if the pandemic didn't happen. Um, because I, I think what we ended up with I mean, maybe that was the plan all along because New Japan's booking mm -hmm. seemed pretty mm -hmm. unwavering. But, dude, Jay White has been on a holding period for two mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Like, you want to talk about someone phoning it in an impact? Look no further. You I know, mean, it, look at the it, matches you give him an impact. Wouldn't you phone it in? Well, that because you can't bullshit. do anything with him. You can't have – I mean, if he's your top guy, that's one mm -hmm. thing. But it's just like he wasn't. So what can you do with mm -hmm. that? I think he very smartly just kept getting better, kept working mm -hmm. out, just was going through the motions, mm -hmm. but protecting himself along the way. I mean, Okada is my dude, maybe my favorite wrestler of all time. He is right up there for me. He needed to lose this title. Mm -hmm. And I'm really interested to see what New Japan's going to look like for the rest of the year with Jay White on top. I don't know how many money matches you have because Okada is like the big one. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Tanahashi. Um, maybe you could do Shikingo, but you know, he's kind of mm -hmm. tied up in the never scene. Um, maybe Naito, but he's, he is barely hanging on dude. Like I thought he would be recovered from his eye surgery by now. I, you can tell that, you know, mm -hmm his injury from last year is still yeah. bugging him. Like this dude's done. I mean, Abushi should be in this too, but I, there's not really a lot of options on top for Jay White mm -hmm. to defend against. So I, I, unfortunately I think we're at the part of the year with new Japan where it's just like, you have to look at their booking from like a quarterly perspective mm -hmm. and just realize he might have one, maybe two big yeah. defenses and then it's Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. And that's in the next six months. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a holding pattern for sure. But, dude, Jay White is definitely the person to put that belt on. He is yeah. he is the real deal. Um, there are fewer people that I would say are better than him in wrestling in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about it, you know, pre-show after this win and we were like yeah we called it let's go let's give jay a proper run there's a couple qualifiers for me to be excited about him being on top one i need the bullet club shenanigans to be at a minimum 
Um, I expect it in multi-man matches. I mm-hmm. expect it even at the end of major championship mm-hmm. runs. But I refuse to take a champion seriously if he can't win clean. Jay White doesn't win clean. Like, it, it's shocking when he does. The second thing, he is losing the title at Wrestle Kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's transitional for six yeah. months. I, so I have my theory on that, yeah. Let me hear it. I think the play right now is going to be Jay White holds the title until Wrestle Kingdom. I think Will Ospreay is winning the G1. I think Will Ospreay is taking it from Jay White on night one of Wrestle Kingdom and then getting his crowning moment, defending it, and going over Okada on night two, crowning the true coronation of Will Ospreay as the guy in Japan. They have been building to Ospreay beating Okada at Wrestle Kingdom for like five years now. You could have Okada take it from White and then Osprey take it from Okada. That's that's what I was thinking. Which I is think, the that's the alternative, right? It's it, it one of like those two combinations. Right. I just I like the version where Osprey wins twice in a row. I can see yeah. that being the thing. That's why I picked that one. But either of those combinations, I think it ends with Osprey beating Okada on night to a Wrestle Kingdom and either defending or winning the championship, and that's where it's going. I think it fits Gato booking more if Okada wins the G1, beats White night one. And then then, loses to Osprey night two. Right. Um, Very possible. One, it gives Okada like another G1, another world title. And honestly, I don't know if they have the balls to put two Gaijin in the main event. That is a great point. Yeah. So I think you avoid that by having Okada. Yeah. Which is fine, because again, yep. Okada's my dude. I yep. can watch him win and all it's, day. It's the same conclusion either way. Osprey beats Okada on night two. That's the conclusion. Who holds the belt is the only, but the only thing up for we're debate. We're getting like six months ahead of ourselves. Um, Absolutely. We've got a lot of Jay White promos in the meantime. Um, before- Which, by the way, did you see his press, like his press conference afterwards when he said it's J-E-W? I'm like, <laughs> my dude, you, I don't think you realize like what you spelled there because he meant instead of A-E-W, he meant J-A-Y-E-W. <laughs> but like I, I just had it on. I had a promo on. I wasn't reading it. And, it, and he was like, it's J-E-W. I'm like. Good, good thing MJF doesn't have a promo tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, also, he's anyway, ripping off I, RJ City's thing. Hey, EW, his new web show he does. With I them. was just like, oh, my gosh. Fuck. Like that. Could you imagine if like the uh, if Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows were behind him? Just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Corpsing the whole time. Spitting oh, my beer God. On the There's a BTE bit if I ever saw one. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. But anyway. Uh, um, yeah. So what did you think of the main event? I mean, I am so flipping high on Switchblade. I yeah. he's, I get engaged every single time he steps on the ring. Special shout out. He also recently got married. Congrats, Switchblade. Happy, many happy years ahead of you. Loved the match. I, I love Switchblade. I can't shut up about it. Like mm-hmm. I am I am a mark for him through and through. So every time like I'm I'm following the highs, I'm following the lows, I'm hook, line and sinker into everything he does. He's going to have a special career when it's all said and yeah. done. I mean, because I don't, I don't know if he's one of those guys. Right. Yeah. He's 30. I don't know if he's one of those guys who's motivated to move to the States. Um, I, I could, 
I, I think so. But like he he lives in Florida right now. Yeah. He goes to Japan for the shows. He and his wife live like their residence is in Florida. No, but I mean like if if he if Oh, he was, yeah, yeah. His work home. Sorry. Yeah. I should I should have said that. Gotcha. Better. Gotcha. Okay. I mean if he stays in New Japan, he's going to I be mean, an all-timer. I don't know. I don't see it. I I, I think he's going to sign a big US contract sooner rather than later. So, with that said, use him while you've got him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anyone on the roster I would have rather had, like, beat Okada. Maybe yeah. Shingo to get that back. Because, again, if I can get Shingo, sorry, Shikingo and Okada any day of the week, I'll take that over just about yeah. anything. But, yeah, no, Jay White was the absolute right yeah. pick here. And awesome match. I went just over four. You know, like, that matters. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, they have awesome chemistry. I thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it. It was a really good way to end the show. Absolutely. Take it for what it's worth. Jay has been pretty open about his desire to never sign with WWE, not even out of like just a typical, they suck. Oh no, venue, for sure. For which sure. they do. I mean, that's a given, but his other motivation that he's talked about in interviews is just wanting to be able to do it differently and carve out his own legacy that wasn't dependent on the well-known mcdonald's promotion my words not his he didn't call them mcdonald's promotion that's yeah me, but, but since he said that there's a there's a brand new major promotion in the states absolutely i hear there's one that would really love to have him and he's maybe even already shown yeah, up he's already shown up I, I think that i think that is like, where it's going i don't know how long his new japan contract is we hear rumors all the time that he signed a giant five six year one i don't I know how seven yeah, I don't know how long it actually is. I think it's one of those tales that's going to grow every year. By the time we run this podcast by Wrestle Kingdom, it'll be a nine-year contract. But right. whatever it is, I think AEW is the eventual destination when the time is right. Um, he just wants to do it his own way. And, man, I am along for the ride every every step of the way. Awesome match. Go seek it out. It's I think it goes about 35 minutes or so. Like, it's a typical New Japan, very long main event. but It could have been much longer. Oh, absolutely. Respect to them cutting it off at 35. Absolutely. There's, I have seen so many new Japan main events where they add another 10, 15 minutes onto this, sometimes 20 or 30. Um, and it's, and it's a lot. Yeah. This is a 35 that goes by really quickly. Um, it's easily my match of the week. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, 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 Oh, go ahead. I don't know how I didn't get to pick uh, Takeshita Bailey, but thanks Switchblade because I can't pick them as my match a week because this <laughs> is it. Yeah. Um, I think something that I enjoyed a lot less was the announcement of the G1 Climax participants. We haven't really talked about this, so I just know that neither one of us are really happy. Uh, they announced 28 names. Let's go through them. First up, I mean, Literally, it's like the first four names. I'm like, okay, yeah, of course. Okada, yep. Tanahashi, Naito, and Goto. Yep. Hard to mess that up. Tomatonga in at five. We both expected it. Yep. Um, it, it, that makes sense. He's been won it for a while. He, he's he been a singles champ now. Mm-hmm. It, it's good. Shingo, Takagi. Shikingo mm-hmm. is the sixth man. Let's go. Yeah. Chase Owens. <laughs> In the other block, we don't know the assignments yet, is Fat Fuck Fale. Those are just going to be easy nights for whoever goes up against them. 
It doesn't get better. Yujiro Takahashi and evil. Evil makes sense. Yujiro as a heavyweight just does nothing for me, but he holds a title. So he's in. Evil is going to be whatever. He normally has a few matches per G1 that aren't atrocious and, and just gimmick heavy. I just, I'm praying that, you know, we get into it. Tom Lawler and Juice Robinson's in. Jonah is in. That one was a little surprising. And then the last one for the first half, the guy you've all been waiting for, Yoshihashi. So out of those first 14 names, who would you take out and who would you substitute them with? Uh, take out Chase, take out Fat Fuck, take out Takahashi, take out Yoshihashi, get at least one AEW guy in there, and where the hell is Carl Anderson? Right? This is where you would bring in people from other promotions mm-hmm. or people from New Japan Strong. Mm-hmm. Like, where's, uh, where's Clark Connors? Well, I know he just did Super Juniors, if but... If he's counted okay, as a junior. where's Fredericks? Right, that's the, where's that's Fredericks? the guy. Where's Fredericks? Uh, the fact that we're kind of jumping ahead, but Carl Fre- Carl Fredericks not on here is is pretty hard. Um, you want to take the uh, the next fourteen? All right, so we get into I guess we're in Block C now. We have Toru Yanu. <laughs> no surprise, he's a pretty consistent G one guy. As he's, he's a night off for people. Yeah, he's in there for their recovery night to make people laugh. Tomohiro Ishii makes sense. Jeff Cobb, this is his third straight G one. No surprise there. Um, this is where things get weird for this one. Um, we got Great Ocon, Will Osprey, and Hanare. Yep. And then Sonata. Yep. So we shoved all of the United Empire entrants in the same block. No, these are these this aren't just block like, Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, they just announced who was in it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So we don't we don't know block assignments. We can we can talk about that whenever they break it down. Um, sorry, that was my bad. I kind of misled you. I missed the actual assignment clip. I just saw the names. Um, well, it was weird when they were doing it in order and they waited 19 spots in to do Will Ospreay. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, so these aren't, these aren't blocks. Okay. Yeah. So we got, it makes this a little bit easier. Yeah. We got Cobb, Ocon, Ospreay, and Hanari for four United Empire representatives. Um, Great Ocon's the only one that seems a little out of place there. Um, Thinking Ari is a little bit underrated in my opinion, so I'm actually kind of excited to see him in the G1. Um, Sonata, Sonata, he's going to be in it. I'm not a Sonata guy, but whatever. Um, finishing up the last seven, we've got Switchblade. No surprise there. Champion's got to be in the G1. We've got Kenta, who is back and healthy again. Yep. I really hope he brings a newspaper out again because that <laughs> is one of my favorite moments in G1 history. Uh, we've got El Fantasmo moving up into the G1. So that is an interesting development. Which, uh, by the way, did we not talk about it last week when we covered Best of Super Juniors? I wish more than like 10 people listen to this so we could like take like really good victory laps. I mean, like we could do day. it now. Or we can be like the Simpsons, where 10 years down the road, everybody's going to be looking back and going, man, they called so many things. Like, oh, my God, they knew Trump was going to be president. Like, yeah. we, we're calling them all now, and we're going to get our credit when it comes. Uh, we got Taichi. It's not a surprise. He's a mainstay. Right. It is what it is. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., obviously a lock. And, again, great guy to have in the G1. We knew he was coming. 
our sole AEW representative, a good representative, but why is he the only one? Uh, Lance Archer, he's been in the G1 before. His big coming out party was actually his match with Osprey on one of the early nights of the G1 where they put on an absolute banger. So Lance Archer's making his return. And I mean, Archer, Archer Osprey has to be in the same block, right? Oh, absolutely. And our last uh, person in the G1, someone I thought was done with New Japan. We ended on a flat note. I thought they made a big deal about him being done, but David Finley's in the G1. I, I don't, I, I, I don't, I, you went to the biggest ever field and we have David Finley, we have Owens and Foley, like, what are we doing? I mean, there's some guys in there, like you said, Hanare in the G1 is going to be really fun to watch. He's a guy that I've been high on for a long time. Um, uh, Kenta. I'm always a little bit worried about. I don't know if he can make it through the full G1 without getting banged up. That always freaks me out. Yep. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I was hoping for more ballsy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we got Lawler and Jonah in, mm-hmm. but why is bad luck folly still in the G1? Like there's, there's other people that we can be bringing mm-hmm. in who are, you know, not like, like guys need nights off. I get it. Yeah. Who is excited that Bad Luck Folly was in this? Who is excited that David Finley was in this? Um, Finley's fine, but uh, why is why is he in the mm-hmm. G1? Lance Archer, like, I'm I'm glad that he's back. He's kind of you know, I always want to see more from him. But come on, there's got to be more AEW talent that can mm-hmm. come over. Like I get that Danielson's banged up. You probably yeah. don't want Mox doing it again, considering the last time he did it, it didn't turn out so hot for him afterwards. And he's going to be holding the title through the G1 while Punk recovers. Right. Um, and you just had Yuta do the junior, so it's kind of hard for him to just yeah. be like, ah, and now Yuta's coming in. Um, I don't know. You couldn't have sent Daniel Garcia? You couldn't have done anything? The lack of AEW representation uh, mm-hmm. is is a bummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, even someone like Joe. Could you imagine how much the internet would be freaking out if Samoa Joe yep. is doing the G1? It's, I mean, shit, do something like send Paul White over. No more BS <laughs> in the G1. I, I don't know. Like, there, there's so many things that you could have yep. done here, and it's just, it feels like a missed opportunity. Yep. It's a 28-person field, mm-hmm. which means, like, uh, this is going to be a long G1 so the idea of us covering this, um, I don't know if we can do it. We no, might just have I, to highlight a few matches here and there. Um, this is going to be a giant slog for a month. Yep. So I, I I don't think I got as fired up as I thought I was going to. No, after that best of Super Juniors field, I was like, oh my god, this is shaping up to be the best G1 ever. And then someone shit their pants and here we are. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad Phantasmo's moving up. I don't expect Absolutely. to do anything in the tournament, but dude, uh, I'm glad he's moving up. Yeah. I mean, you can't get like an Adam Brooks or I'm trying to just trying to think of like other independent talent. Like you've got a relationship with impact. You're telling me yeah. that Bailey or Josh Alexander couldn't have come over. Uh, like, Josh can't, he's got their title, but. They pre-tape all their stuff in advance. You can you can work around that. I I don't know. It just there's, it was very it was very discouraging to see this list. And you know there's some people yeah. like you can't leave 
Yoshihashi off. You can't leave. Like, there's there's dead spots built into this. But whenever you expand out to, you mm-hmm. know, 14 per block, you got to take some risks here. And I'm looking at it, and there's there's just nothing really impressive. I mean, even Jonah. Jonah's a dude who's not terrible, but it's just like, if he's not in a team with other TMDK guys, like, I don't really have an interest in seeing... 13 Jonah matches during the G1. No, instead of Jonah, I gotta think there was something they could have done different. <laughs> Fuck, I've had that in for fact, three minutes I straight I now. I <laughs> to hold it to the universe if Jake something was in the G1. <laughs> How random that would have been. Um, I mean, where's Fred Rosser? Fred Rosser is Current the New champion, Japan Strong Rosser. Champion. What yeah. is he not doing here? Right. Um, that, that fell a little short for me. So yeah, mm-hmm. the idea of having Jonah and bad luck Fale at the same, not like that. You can only have one person from New Zealand, but like they fit, they fit the same type Yeah. where Jonah's not going to go out there and do like a ton of work rate. So just put him in that spot yeah. and have Fale be a heater. I, I just, it, it's a bummer. Um, it is what it is. I'm hoping that this year's match quality is good. You know, whenever you look at the the sheer amount of mm-hmm. Bullet Club and House of Torture guys that are in this, the interference spots are going to be through the roof. Um, but the potential Bullet Club team of Kinta and El Fantasmo is pretty rad. So yes. I, I, I will take that. If I'm looking for a silver lining, um, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, there's some creative matchups on the undercard, which... I mean, who am I kidding? I'm not going to end up watching that anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm just hoping that whenever the blocks are announced, this makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, because there's there's a clear line between like top talent and filler. Yeah. And I'm going to be really interested to see how, you know, I mean, the main people are going to be distributed, like mm-hmm. Okada, Tanahashi, Takagi, Osprey, Jay White. Like, I can go down the list. Like, actually, I might have just done it. Um, they're not all going to be in the same block. And I'm really interested to see how someone like Tom Lawler matches up in his first G1. It could be awesome or it could mm-hmm. be a little rough. Um, but, yeah, what are your big picture thoughts on the lineup? Um, I think you've covered most of them. Underwhelming is the word I would use to describe describe my thoughts. I we did not need to go to 28 for this. And that's what worries me because it means a longer, more grueling G1. And I don't think we're getting the payoff for that. So I, I definitely cannot watch the whole thing. I'll pick and choose some matches. It's, I'm not, not very thrilled with it. I don't know why they made these decisions. Uh, maybe Tony wasn't willing to let more AEW people go there. I don't know. That seems weird with Forbidden Door coming up to suddenly shut the door for the G1. I, I have a lot of unanswered questions about how we ended up at this block. And I can't say I'm super enthused going into the G1, which is a shame coming off that uh, that Super Junior we had. Yeah, I think... I think the thing I'm looking forward to is with a 28 person field, there will be at least one interesting matchup every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see, they haven't announced obviously the blocks or the lineups yet, 
Um, I haven't done the math as far as how many shows have been announced. But if they do the best of Super Juniors thing and we just get a bunch mm-hmm. of singles matches, I mean, well, shit, we can't do that because that's like 14 singles yeah. matches a show <laughs> for like eight days in a row. So scrap that. But yeah, there will be at least one interesting show mm-hmm. yeah. or interesting match on each show. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm more interested. I kind of have like a, an interest in seeing how the blocks shape out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think that's all we can really say about that until mm-hmm. we know. So, uh, uh, let's, let's go through it. So we've got warrior wrestling 23 coming up. Yep. We have the payoff to the feud, Brian cage versus Casey Navarro. I have not heard if the medallion is going to be on the line or not. I assume they'll find a way to put it on because that's Lord the only way it makes sense. Lord help me if it's not. I, yeah, um, is what it is. I assume that's the match. Uh, we've got Violence is Forever against Dante Leon and Myron Reed. I've got Chelsea Green against Tootie Lynn. Um, <laughs> Barn burner, let's go. But uh, on the better side of the women's matches, we've got Athena versus AQA, which is literally an AEW match. But the difference is if this is on Dynamite or Rampage, it can't go more than five minutes. Here it can go eight or nine. It shouldn't go 12. It it shouldn't go 15. It might go 15. It shouldn't go 15. But it can go the eight or nine. It should. If I'm putting money down, I think Chelsea Green, 2D Lynn goes 10. And Athena AQA goes 15. I I think you're right. And we're not going to be happy with the match times. Um, we've got Sam Adonis versus Ray Leon. And then what we a, have... What does that do for you? I, that's why I moved right past it. Um, <laughs> then we've got this absolute clusterfuck. We've got Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer versus Davey Richard, Swerve Strickland, Jeff Cobb, Jake something, Brian Pillman Jr., and Mystery. Who's the uh, triple question mark? This is supposed to be obvious, but I got to think back to my warrior for a minute here. I, I I feel like I'm missing someone obvious here. I think after he beats Casey Navarro, it's Brian Cage. Oh, you think he just does double duty, like open the show with Navarro and then fair. I think with that many people in the main event, it's a great way to take the title off of Osprey. If you don't beat Osprey here, uh, you're making life hard for yourself. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with the way that they've been booking... Sounds exactly like something Warrior would do. So, <laughs> shit, have Osprey pin each of them clean in the middle of the ring. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, right? This is this was supposed to be the build where Cage has to get the title so that Osprey can go to the G1 without the title. This I mean, is we've been point. building to it for six months, man. Yep. Ever since that first Cage Osprey mm-hmm. match, like, all right, it, so it's we've time got... to pay that off got a couple other matches to highlight prestige wrestling they've been struggling as a promotion especially in terms of audio and video quality but so who got, knows if we'll get this one yeah we'll see if this can even be watchable like literally watchable but we've got Takeshita versus lee boriarty and then dude we are that match going is to gonna cover. be so much fun if we can see it. it we're gonna cover a gcw match Oh, yeah, we are. If I said it, but we are. We are covering, and it is, how could we not, Will Ospreay and Nick Wayne. This match has been coming since Nick Wayne couldn't do Hammerstein, and yep. Janela basically said, call your shot, who do you want? He said Osprey. Osprey fired right back on Twitter immediately and was like, let's do it. Dude, hell of a weekend for Osprey. In no one kidding. weekend, he's facing Archer, Richards, mm-hmm. Swerve, Cobb, something. 
Wait, Cobb's his own dude. Yeah, so Cobb is his own dude. That's an interesting dynamic. I kind of like that Warrior main event a little bit more now if it's the <laughs> two of them versus the rest. Yeah. But regardless, Os- just the sheer amount of names mm-hmm. and talent that Osprey's going up against next weekend, that, again, I, th- I think the uh, resume for Wrestler of the Year, it's going to start picking up sp- steam for Osprey. And so. he's got Dax Harwood tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm so happy to finally see that. Dude, that dynamite is going to be a banger. Yep. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I kind of don't want to talk about Jeff Hardy, but <laughs> uh, I get a Young Bucks ladder match in person again. Last time I saw one was the uh, All Out one against the Lucha Bros. Dude, I'm Tony Storm versus the Dentist <laughs> Lady. Let's go. And I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of like insane shit. And he's going to be like, oh yeah, by the way, Tanahashi is going to be facing. <laughs> That's the show. Thank you so much for listening. Until uh, next week, I'm Jake. I'm Mitch. This is the Bingo Hall Boys podcast. (laughs) 